0: Music.
1: Music.
0: Entertainment. Forces Life. The FBS. The Forces
2: Station. This is Team Talk. Team Talk. Hello and welcome to Team Talk, the show that's all about Forces families. I'm Charlie. And I'm Jill. And we're dedicating the next 30 minutes to Forces Life. Coming up, we hear another family time with Louise from Little Troopers. This time, we're chatting to Kerry. We're learning all about her very long military journey. And as usual, we'll hear some expert advice from someone in the know on the
3: topics that are raised. We'll also hear from seven-year-old Delilah in Plymouth. She's this week's little victory. You'll learn why later. And finally, the second part of my interview with W01 Glenn Horton, the Army's senior enlisted advisor and mental health champion. He's today's special guest and will speak from experience about his long career in the military, which started out when he was still a teenager. So if you're from a Forces family, you've come to the right place. Team Talk is the show that's all about you. We like to kick off the show by having some family time. Before the lockdown started, Louise and Charlie visited Kerry to learn about her military story. BSBS. This is my station.
4: And this is the Forces Station.
3: I'm Louise from the charity Little
4: Troopers, and today we're in RAF Bryce Norton. We're with Kerry, Hello. who has come up from Purbright today yes. to have a chat with us.
2: Thanks for joining us here today, Kerry. Now, can you start by telling us a little bit of how your life as a military family started?
5: Yeah, so for me, um, military life has really been the only way of life um, because it was day dot. Um, I was born in a military hospital in RAF Ely, as it was at the time. Um, So my father was serving in the Air Force and I was immediately born into that lifestyle. Didn't know any different. So literally from day dot, never known any different. Yeah, exactly that. Predominantly, I spent my formative years in the UK, sort of bouncing around different postings, Scotland, England. And then when I was, I think about 11 or 12, um, we upped sticks and moved to Germany, um, originally for a three-year posting, but actually stayed there for a decade. Yeah.
2: That is a big chunk of
5: your life then. I did find in later years, it almost led to kind of a bit of an identity crisis, if I'm honest, because I didn't have a home as such, um, in the traditional sense that most children do, which was great. I was well-rounded, well-travelled. I'd been all over Europe, you know, at a really young age. But I guess in some ways I did lack that foundation of home that a lot of other people, my cousins and people the same age
4: as me, had. And we always say as well, like, never ask a military child where they're from. Exactly that. the worst question, isn't it, to ask a military child? Because, it, you know, it Often you're not from anywhere. Belonging yeah. can come from so many different things, but to a military child, it's definitely not a place. is it? Yes.
2: And you almost feel like you you need to apologise for not ticking those boxes.
5: Um, yeah, I think I think in my earlier years, I definitely did, um, and it was probably something that I felt quite aware of and maybe slightly anxious about. But I think as you get older, you get to a point where you embrace that. And actually now, and for many years now, I'm actually proud of that. So you lived in Germany, didn't you? Yeah. Um,
4: Right right up until university came around. Yeah. And you felt so anxious about coming back to the UK. You decided to do an open university in Germany, didn't you?
5: I did, yeah. Um, I just didn't feel confident enough to return to the UK and study on my own because my parents at that time were still based in Germany. And I think the thing about being a military family is that the four of us were so close-knit. The idea of being torn away from my brother and my parents It just wasn't something I I could do. So Home For You was about the people and not the
4: place? Absolutely, definitely. (laughs) So you decided to stay in Germany? I did, yeah. You did your OU course out there. Yeah. And you you were part of a band, weren't you? Yeah,
5: I was. um, For any of the old... Older generation listening to this. Um, yeah, I was part of a band. I sang for a band called Love Custard. I know.
4: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
5: yeah, so um, they recruited me. Um, mostly, I think, because I bought the average age of the band down quite considerably. Um, I was 17 when I joined the band. And um, yeah, it was great
4: life lessons. So you were 22 when you moved back to the UK to live this civilian life that, you know, you're branching out, you're kind of ready to move on to your new start, your new life. And you were Um, killing it, weren't you? You were working in media, you were kind of doing your thing. Yeah, loved it. So how did you find
2: that to make such a drastic change, not only from a different country, a different way of life
5: it was really hard um, and it was definitely a crossroad in life where again I thought do I join up I made the decision to give myself a year on Civvy Street and see what would happen so I joined a big um, media outlet because I knew that um, it would a be carrying on the sort of stuff that I'd been doing and b I knew it would offer good opportunity and c. I mean, they were German, so kind of felt like coming home a little
4: bit. <laughs> but hey, you didn't stay in the civilian world for very long. Because, no. Uh, someone got in touch.
5: Yeah, so I probably had maybe six, seven years kind of building my career. Bought a little dog, had my own house, and I'd, I'd built this life, and I was happy with it, but I I dated guys... I kind of never really felt like I quite fitted. Um, I'd go on dates and I wouldn't necessarily find that I had much in common with people. I just didn't find them very engaging. Um, There was a part of me that, apart from work, I found the rest of it, I guess, a little bit boring. Um, and yet got this Facebook message this guy that I'd known in Germany hadn't been remotely romantic Um, he messaged me and said I'm in the area would you like to go for a coffee and I thought why not it's been a decade let's see what you've been up to And, um, yeah, we went for a coffee. He wasn't in the area, I might add. He'd done a 300-mile detour. So he'd sought you out and thought, I
2: know where she is. Yeah. Clearly has a little bit of affection for you. Had his
4: eye on the pride. Yeah, I know. Wanted to
2: uh, meet.
4: Very cute. Yeah, (laughs) very cute. (laughs) Um, And you you got married eight months later. We did, yeah. I love that story. Yeah, I love a whirlwind.
5: Was he still serving at the time? Yeah, he was serving, is serving. Um, And
4: baby Edwin came along. Yeah,
5: then baby Edwin about four or five years later. um, And now... Here I am again, back in this crazy military community. And I
4: bet you feel more at home than you ever have. Yeah, I do, <laughs>
5: I do. It's different, it's definitely changed. The difference between being an RAF child and being a part of the army community, there is there is a definite difference.
2: How different was it to move as a force's wife as opposed to being a force's child? With a
5: six-week-old baby as yeah. well. Yeah, it's, I found it so different because... It's your responsibility. I think when you're a child, mum and dad make it so it will be all right. I am mum I am and dad now. You know. I know he's only six weeks old and therefore not that aware of what's going on around him. But it, it's still a period of change. But I remember as a child for my family, it was very much, this is a big adventure. Dad would play a Gary Moore song called Moving On. He would play that. Every time we got in the car and we were posted, he would play that song in the car and we would all dance to it. And I put that song on in the car oh, I love that. as we moved. And I know Edwin was six weeks old and probably, you know, didn't yet have a clue what was going on. But we will do that for every posting. I was so, going
2: to say, is that a tradition that definitely. you are now continuing? Yes, yeah. your
5: song. Yeah, very much so. And pizza on the floor when you've got no furniture, all of that. So it, for me, I want to try and make the whole thing the big adventure for Edwin that it
4: was for me. Oh, I yeah. love that. You're so positive about <laughs> military life and what it's brought to you. I think that's really, really special.
2: So as we close family time, there's just three questions that we'd love to to ask you. Um, it, just in a few words, can you tell me where your favourite posting has been?
5: Germany, for all the aforementioned stuff we've talked about. And I think the second one would be Abingdon because it was our first posting as a married couple.
2: So, so obviously you, you've snuck in too, but yeah. one's from childhood yeah. and one's from uh, married life as well.
5: Yeah, I think
4: that's fair. And then the second question, would you have one bit of advice that you would pass on to another military family? Go with it. Don't fight against it. Just go with it and
5: you'll have a ball.
2: And on a closing note, what's your most cherished memory?
5: Um, Unrelated to all of this, actually, watching my brother um, graduate from RAF Cranwell as an intelligence officer, um, following in the family footsteps and watching him flourish into this proud, tall, young man to be proud of.
4: Yeah. Kerry, you're an absolute star. Thank Thank you. Thank you for having me.
3: The Forces Station.
5: Hi, my name's Kerry, and my song that serves me is Gary Moore's Moving On. The reason that this song is so special to me is because my dad was serving in the Air Force, and every time we got posted as a family, we would listen to this song as we drove away about to start our new adventure. probably would have been about six or seven when I remember doing this for the first time and it's something we continued right up until my twenties. Now I'm a military spouse and my husband's in the army as we get posted from place to place, this is a tradition that I continue with my own child.
2: I've been around too long. It's time I was moving on. time was on. Oh. Get
3: out of here. Team Talk. BFBS. The Forces Station. Kerry there, today's Family Time guest, and of course we had to play her song that serves me, Gary Moore's Moving On. Her parents played it to her as a little girl each time they moved on to a new posting, and now she does it with her own son. I love that tradition. If you've started any little traditions with your military family, why not share them with us at teamtalk at bfbs.com. In Family Time, Kerry told us about her life as a forces child, then
2: marrying a military man herself. She spent her life moving around and lived in a lot of different places, including abroad. An overseas posting can be an amazing adventure, but it isn't always easy. For this week's In The Know, Jill spoke to Chris Leahy, a senior social work practitioner, working with families in British Forces Cyprus.
0: When you first find out you've got a, you've got a posting, I guess fully anywhere overseas, but um, I can sort of relate to being posted to Germany and, um, and to Cyprus almost sort of acknowledge that there's going to be this massive period sort of um, of of excitement building up to a posting and when you get somewhere just preparing yourself for sometimes that excitement to sort of come down a little bit. Initially you can get those those sort of pangs of of homesickness um, whilst you're adjusting to what is you know and we've talked a lot about the new normal around sort of Covid but when you move overseas you are adjusting to a new normal a new environment here. You put pause onto a career and suddenly you're maybe thrust into a situation where you are the main parent for two young children, um, and you had never really done that role before in the, same, kind of in the same capacity that you had in the UK. And you've got potentially sort of lots of hopes and dreams about what an overseas posting might look like. And then the kind of reality kind of hits you that know, actually pretty tough. And, you know, being at home with young children is massively stressful, um, particularly in a, in a different environment where the weather can be really oppressive. Yes, the sun is shining, but actually sometimes the sun shining is like, you know, it could be as oppressive as, you know, several days of rain in the UK um, where you can't get out and do anything. You know, things Get a bit touchy in terms of communication with a partner who's out at work and you don't have a car or you're not sure even the processes to get your car MOT'd and maybe friendships aren't working out or there's a bit of a clique you know all of those things become real particular stresses I mean it may be awesome but it may continue to be awesome for the two or three years it's also going to come with a few challenges if you're not prepared for those mentally or sort of have acknowledged them mentally then they may come as a bit of a shock
3: As soon as you know you're posted overseas, it's a good idea to start preparing the children for that big move to help them get their heads around what's happening.
0: This is difficult to do when you kind of get a a last minute posting. But if you've got time, it's just starting that narrative with your children about what it is you're doing. And obviously that will be different for their different developmental ages and where they're at. But starting that narrative as soon as possible about... We're now living here, but you know, soon we're going to be moving, up not to Cyprus, and here it is on the map, and this is kind of what the climate's like, or this is where mummy's job's taking us, this is where daddy's job's taking us. Lots of reassurance, lots of information. Just so they have the answers to some of those basic questions. You know, why is our new house here? What's it going to look like? You know, many people within the forces are experts in change. They're doing it all the time. Um, but that doesn't mean everybody in the family can do it. Um, and when you're moved away from your extended family networks and sometimes very important friendship networks, coming to an overseas posting can really throw you some things that then can uplift things. You know, you make one good connection with a neighbour or somebody as part of a club here and you're up and running again. You know, you find your feet.
3: Team Talk. BFBS. The Forces Station. Chris Leahy, a relationship counsellor working with families in British Forces Cyprus with some great advice on getting ready for an overseas posting. You can also find out more information on how to support your children at littletroopers.net.
2: It's that time of the show again where we pause for some positivity and we celebrate the achievements of our Forces children and young people. I'm always amazed at how Forces children just get on with life and keep smiling when one of their parents is away for a long time. Delilah, who's seven, knows all about that because her dad is a submariner. She's so proud of him that she's told her friends at school and the groups that she goes to all about his work. Lockdown has meant that Jill couldn't meet Delilah and her mum Abigail where they live in Plymouth. So we caught up with them over Skype instead. I'm literally a
1: bookworm. You are. Like my (laughs) mum. So I've read all my Horrid Henry collection that my mum got me. Now I'm on David Walliams. I took my book to my club. It's underneath it all and it's all about the submarine and what Daddy does. And part of it says that they have to do all the cleaning and Daddy says, but I don't do the cleaning. Yeah, because he did get he he said he did used to do it, but now he doesn't. I've been on a submarine.
3: I've been on Daddy's bed. And it's tiny. And it's tiny, it's about half of this bed. So what did you think when you went on the submarine? Did you think I'd like to live here? Or oh no, not very much, thank you. It smells of stinky men, farts, gas and oil. What
1: did Daddy say? Did he say, that sounds just about right? Yeah.
3: I've heard that you have a special song that you like to sing when Daddy's away. Do you think you could sing it for me? One, two, three. (laughs) We all live in a yellow submarine, a yellow yellow submarine, a yellow submarine. So when Daddy's on the submarine, does he have to go away from home for a long time? He was supposed to come back in February this year, but because of this virus, he only got back in April.
1: He was about away for about three or four months so far this year, has not he? Do you feel sad? Yeah, I feel really wanting him. I just keep saying I need him. And you've got a little toy daddy that has all his love in Delilah's got um, a toy which is a Huggable Hero and it's got Daddy's picture on the front and when he's away she likes to hold it and um, Daddy puts all his love into that just before he goes away. You take him to school don't you when you show all your friends? But I need to get a new Huggable Hero because he's got a new badge with two anchors. It's hard for her because she's got no way of contacting him when he's away because they can't call and she's a bit too young to be able to write emails You write letters and draw pictures and things, don't you, for when he comes back? Mm. I guess as a service family, you just have to get on with it, don't you? And when he does get near port and he can call, then that's really amazing for her.
3: Now, her younger brother Patrick is five, and I understand he's got autism.
1: Patrick's quite severely autistic, so he doesn't speak, um, and he has quite a lot of issues with his mobility. So for her, she's constantly having to adapt, not to just daddy not being there, but how to be with her younger brother. Um, but she's really supportive. He tries to speak to me. He gives me some cuddles. So it's difficult to to know what he like how he feels about when Daddy's away. Um but when he comes back his whole persona changes, which is really nice. Um well they're both just want to be around daddy and i don't even get a look in um we're quite lucky because we live by the sea so whenever submarines do go in and out we go and wave and make a thing about saying hello and goodbye to daddy's friends and we have a big flag as well that we bring out don't we when daddy comes home and it's got mine and patrick's handprints on it we all live in a yellow submarine
0: yellow
3: This is BFBS Team Talk. Team Talk, the Forces Station.
1: Hi, I'm AM13 and the song that serves me is I Love It by Icona Pop. This reminds me of when I was in Germany with all the hot summers and snowy winters, and just all the fun memories I had there with my friends and family.
3: The Forces Stationation Team Talk May picking her song that serves me I Love It by Icona Pop and of course a massive Team Talk shout out to Delilah this week's little victory because she copes so well when her dad's away and every time I hear Yellow Submarine now I'll think of Delilah and her mum Abigail singing it and waving their flag to welcome him home Each
2: week here on Team Talk we catch up with someone who can speak from experience about what it's like to be from a military background. Our guest this week has had a distinguished career exceeding all expectations after joining the Army as a teenager who hadn't worked very hard at school. Glenn Horton is the Senior Enlisted Advisor to the Chiefs of Staff Committee and the Armed Forces Mental Health and Wellbeing Champion, but maybe this fact will impress you more. He's got almost 29,000 followers on Twitter. We had a chat with him over Skype while he was working from home during the lockdown.
6: I enjoy social media because it hopefully helps and inspires other people. And it's been a bit of a journey over the time in this job and in my last job as the Army Sergeant Major when I kind of started it. But I really wanted to try and help to inform people on stuff that's going on in the services and it's a really useful tool as we know social media it's great for me to um, upload stuff onto it to help others out and it's also good for me to download stuff from it and learn what's going on around the bazaars
3: I'm wondering about whether you've been negatively affected at all by social media because some people find when they're on it too much it's not good for their mental health
6: I haven't been affected by being on it too much I've been affected by some of the responses and some of the stuff on it Uh, not everything is positive positive on social media and you have to learn how to deal with it how to cope with it what to read what not to read and how to react or not react to some of the stuff that comes on I had a mental health issue um, a couple of years ago and social media played a part in that and it was because of some of the content that people decided to put on there uh, be it against me or be it against the position that I held Um, but it certainly um, didn't play towards good mental health.
3: Was your army career also part of contributing to some of the mental health issues that you had, the things you've been through, the things you've seen? The Gulf War when you were very young, you've been to Iraq, Afghanistan, all over the place.
6: I can honestly say that I've never been affected by uh, trauma and operations you know, we all deal with things differently and we all think very differently and we all react to incidents very differently. And I've seen injuries, I've dealt with injuries, all that sort of stuff on operations. And it's, it's you know, it's it's never had a, a negative effect on me. Yes, I've come back off operations and like others, I have dealt with, um, you know, getting used to normalisation. A home life can be more challenging than an operational life because being on operations, apart from the fighting and doing what you need to do, can be a, a simple existence. But never have I suffered from you know, what people would class as post-traumatic uh, stress uh, at all. But I have suffered mental health uh, issues recently, really, something I never expected that I would do. And that was through stress, pace of life and pressures of life. Basically working too hard and uh, not looking after myself in the way that I should do because I grew up thinking I was a machine all the way through my career. The the machine finally broke down and uh, kind of caught me out.
3: It's really important though to be open about these things and it's so good hearing you being so frank and honest about it.
6: You know, I grew up in an environment, you know, a male-dominated, alpha-male, macho environment where... Um, Thirty years ago, you certainly didn't speak about your mental health issues if you had any, because it just—it was just taboo. So, and you know, and I've got—I'll be the first one to admit that I've been naive to mental health issues for the majority of my career. And I genuinely believe that unless you've been affected yourself or someone that you love has been affected, then you don't necessarily fully understand it. And now, because I have been affected, I do fully understand it. And that's why I think it's important to to be frank, open and honest. And people will look at me and think there's no way that he's ever had mental health issues. But I have. And I think when you look like I do and you talk about it and you are frank, open and honest in it, you know, it helps other people think, Okay, perhaps I'll come forward with my issues as well.
3: Well, you are the mental health and well-being champion for the armed forces. You want to make sure everyone's doing all right.
6: Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's about every single person in the armed forces community. It's not just the frontline commands and the services, it's our civil service as well. But yeah, um, families, um, spouses, partners, husbands, wives, children, and even parents, you know, as you mentioned earlier, we've got some youngsters that are joining at 16 years old. So it's important that all of the family are involved. Um, and that's why I've been trying to do some stuff recently where we can get the message out and perhaps give people some tools, some advice and some help um, in some of these areas where they can really recognise the signs and symptoms in their loved ones and perhaps help them out with their mental health issues. I'm Glenn Horton and the song that serves me is Thunderstruck by ACDC. This song serves me because it was relevant to my section, my platoon and myself when we deployed to the first Gulf War when I was 18 years old. I I really remember being in my four-man room putting all our belongings into these boxes and we were writing our wills out and writing letters to our mums and dads because we were literally going to war. We were listening to Thunderstruck, which wasn't a particularly moving song. It was almost like the comical side behind it. And then we boxed our boxes up, handed them in, and then we deployed to war.
2: there today's speaking from experience guests. and also picking his song that serves me Thunderstruck by ACDC what a great
3: tune
0: BFBS the forces station this is Team Talk
2: that's it from us today here on Team Talk we've heard another great family time with Louise from Little Troopers at RF Bryce Norton This time we were speaking to Kerry about her transition from being a military child to a military spouse. And we heard advice from someone
3: in the know for anyone who's had a similar journey themselves. We also celebrated with the very cute and clever Delilah. She's only seven, but copes so well when her daddy goes on long deployments on his submarine. And finally, we heard W01 Glenn Horton, today's special speaking from experienced guest, telling us all about his experience of social media and mental health and encouraging all of us in the Forces community to get better at talking about how we're feeling. Join us next week for more of the same or catch
2: up on all the episodes head to bfbs.com forward slash podcasts. Team Talk is produced by TBI Media with support from the Audio Content Fund. Until next time, stay safe. Goodbye. Bye.